Welcome to the Advisor Talk podcast channel. This is Nick Stewart, CEO and Authorised Financial Advisor at Stewart Group. If you're new to the show, Stewart Group is a CFEX certified financial planning and advisory firm serving clients throughout New Zealand with offices in Hawke's Bay and Wellington. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. Great, good to be here with you. We've got some some good topics to discuss today. Oh, well, you are the guru, aren't you? You're, you're laughing over there, but you know a lot about finances. We try, but <laughs> it's um, you know, there's never a day that we're not learning something new. It's just uh, evolution, and you know, financial markets move very, very quickly. Yes, and um, and you know, you're always on your toes. You've yeah. always got to be match fit. Why do they change so rapidly, finance markets? Just well, off the subject, but well, there's just so much flow of information. Mm. Um, and and there's so much at our fingertips that we can all learn, and there's so much data, there's so much rich data, that you know markets do move really quickly, and you know trades are so much faster than they were in the past. You know, like for example, when I was a child, um, and I f- was first buying stocks when I was about eight, so a long, long time ago. In fact, I had some shares in a company called. Donaghy's, which was a rope manufacturer down in Dunedin. In fact, I think it was New Zealand's <laughs> oldest listed company. It was delisted a number of years ago mm. when the company was taken private. But um, I can remember back then you had a share certificate, mm. whereas today you don't have a share certificate. You have a holder statement right. and a pin, and you don't actually get a certificate. Like, and, and the certificates were really cool. They were often quite, quite colourful, and they kind of represented... Uh, the company and some of the US companies still have this but I can remember with uh, Donaghy's I remember um, I lost one of my share certificates as a kid and I remember my dad um, gave me a, um, a dressing down about that and just said you can't you can't lose your share certificates because every time you lose it we've got to pay a fee yeah. to get a replacement <laughs> sent so look markets have moved on such a long time since then since those days because you know back then you would you know, you would you would complete the trade, and about a week later, you'd get your yeah. you'd get your funds. Whereas today, I mean, there are some markets where it's trade plus one day. Yeah, amazing, I mean, it's it? just very very quickly. When you wind the clock back, and uh, I'm reminded of that program, uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh yeah, and you, and you look at those uh, those guys, and they're trading on the floor, and they're people throwing paper everywhere. How much faster now is the market today than what it was back then? Well, there are some markets that still trade um, with you know the kind of the you know the pit, mm. like that's yeah. featured on those types of um, programs that Hollywood just loves so much. Yes, it's kind of sad actually. <laughs> um, yeah, there's so much good, so many good things that come out of um, out of financial services, but um, Hollywood likes to look at the negatives. Uh, wasn't one so of them. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it makes for a good story. Indeed. Um, but yeah, look, um, there are some markets that still transact on that basis. Mm. Um, and if you look at something like um, the real estate industry and you look at the way that, that that trades are facilitated there in the forms of transactions, that process hasn't evolved much um, over a long, long period mm. of time. And in the United Kingdom, any, any, any listeners 
uh, that have transacted a property in the UK know that it is from the dark ages. Yeah. <laughs> it's phenomenally <laughs> slow and very, very unique. Um, but certainly, look, the, you know, for, for anyone that, for example, um, any local uh, Hawke's Bay citizens that took part in the um, sell-down of the port of Napier would know, you know, how efficient things are. You know, you're able to buy... A, a portion of Hawke's Bay's infrastructure mm. uh, and you could you know you buy your shares you part with your cash you're given um, six monthly dividends so long as COVID doesn't come around yep. and dividends are suspended but uh, you know I mean it works really well and you can sell the shares and receive your cash and trade plus three days and it's fabulous it is fabulous yeah. and uh, you're a clever guy and uh, I know you haven't got a crystal ball but what do you think the next big change will be in the financial market I mean we've gone from the, say the trading floor now we're doing it all on computer where is there to go from here? Well, I think you're going to see a lot of people will see a lot of transparency in terms of what they, their investments. So, for example, um, and one of the topics I'd like to cover today is sustainability. Mm. So if you think a lot of people with their portfolios, they'll be able to understand what their portfolio's um, effective carbon emissions are. Yeah. So that's one thing. And that, that's on the extreme. Yes. But... When I say transparency, people are understanding the fees and compensation that they're paying for, say, custody, brokerage, foreign exchange or forex, and advisory fees. I think they're going to really get a granular view of that. That's something that we've really encouraged in terms of our systems and processes at Stuart Financial Group. You know, there is that granular uh, transparency, which is great, mm. but most of the market is still very opaque. Yeah, and for example, um, I know that one of the um, one of the um, recent shows that you and I spoke about um, uh, GameStop, yes, and we spoke about the fact that with Robin Hood, mm. the fact that people honestly and truly believed that the service was free, mm. yes, and in fact it wasn't free. It's just incredibly opaque, and they don't understand that a margin is being taken by someone in the form of the clearinghouse. Yeah, so so I think you're going to see a lot more transparency around how the order flow works and actually how many people are getting a meal along the way. Yeah. Because it's, nothing's free. No, everyone if, clips the ticket, don't they? Yeah, correct. And, and it's an old analogy. It's like, you know, if you, if you move a bar of soap, every time you touch it, it does get smaller. Mm, of course. And money is the same. Every time you move it and it passes through one party to another, there is a cost. It may only be fractional, but cents add up to dollars. How do you minimise that? Firstly, you need to understand how much it is and understand the quantum mm. before you can then address how do we actually alleviate some of these costs and make it more efficient. Mm. Now, at the moment, a lot of people have moved into what well, economies of scale have allowed costs to come down. But still, even with that, if you don't truly understand what all the cost structure is and and what are you paying, um, you know, your, you know, the equivalent... What's that Mexican game where the I remember the kids used to play that at birthday parties? You know how they oh, you yeah. blindfold them yeah. and you whack the, right. the donkey filled with yeah. lollies. That's right. Well, a little bit like like people in terms of that kind of slash and burn cost mentality at the moment of financial services. A lot of people are like swinging at the donkey mm. because if you don't actually know where the costs are and you're just swinging a miss, mm. hoping to hit the donkey, then you know you'd be far better to take off the blindfold. And give it a darn good whacking. Yeah. You'll be far more successful. So, and and that's what we say to people. We go, look, you need you need that granular understanding of costs. And I particularly talk to this about 
with people who wear a governance hat in the form of an independent trustee. Yeah. A trustee should understand all of the costs. Mm. Today we're going to talk about uh, sustainable investing. Yes. And uh, you've got all the facts there, but I wanted to, does, does the average person care where their money goes, do you think? Are we, are we, are we becoming more ethical and more moral about our investing? Um, we are. We are. There's a, over the last, over the last couple of years, the, um, the amount of money that's poured into sustainable investments, whether you deem it to be a fad, because mm. look, there are fads in the market at yeah. all times, but it would appear that this is the incoming tide. It's not a wave. This is, it's, this is here to stay. And that is where people want their portfolio or their investments to mirror their own values. Yeah. Now, some of us at the moment, we express our opinions and beliefs and values through what we do, say, with the things we buy at the supermarket, mm-hmm. um, the type of car that we drive, you know, diesel, petrol, hybrid, or electric, the types of manufacturers, you know, the, the actual the brand that we buy, because there are some that are more um, better for the environment than others. It's only a matter of time before people looked at their portfolio, mm. just the same way they look at their family home mm-hmm. and the, the the emissions and their, their footprint that they have with that. You know, like, for example, we, we all know across that there are many councils that are that there's a financial inducement or incentive to remove a um, an old potbelly stove and move to, um, you know, a nice air conditioning unit yeah. because it's better for the environment. The fact that people would pivot and want their values and their alignment in terms of climate to be mirrored in their portfolio, that's only a matter of time that people would do that. And the fact that there's so much press about it and the fact that uh, governments appear to be leading the charge in that area, I don't see it changing. Hence the term, I I believe, it's not a wave. Mm. This is the incoming tide. Now, in terms of that, the word sustainable, that means different things to different people. I mean, I could ask you again what your understanding of sustainability was and yeah. and then you could ask me and yeah, and yeah there'll be some common alignment yeah. but then if you then try to overlay that onto a portfolio well you know you may be happy to own Boeing and Airbus mm-hmm. I may want those removed from my portfolio and I'm more focused on say Raytheon Corporation and Lockheed Martin that make fighter jets and Tomahawk yeah. and cruise missiles because you're going to get a better it, return on your money yeah that's right <laughs> but I think overall, people are just wanting to know that their portfolios do no harm. And I think that that appears to be the one that's coming up the most where people actually analyze and look at their investments to understand that, A, well, let's use the example at the moment where the Prime Minister, uh, her KiwiSaver funds, um, her KiwiSaver fund, which of course under the disclosure regime for all parliamentarians, they have to disclose their um, financial interests. So mm. the Prime Minister has her KiwiSaver with ANZ Bank, and ANZ Bank have a couple of companies in the KiwiSaver funds, and ANZ is a, a big company, mm. billions and billions of dollars um, invested in KiwiSaver for hundreds of thousands of Kiwis. And a small portion of that is exposed to a couple of um, munition suppliers who have been involved in the in the war in Yemen, yep. supplying the Saudis. Now, so so that that's one that's in the market at the moment. And that when we we're talking before about that kind of transparency and understanding, 
that's a classic case that I just gave you there mm. where people are saying, wow, well, the Prime Minister holds that KiwiSaver. There's a list of that KiwiSaver's holdings. Oh, and by the way, that company was involved in Yemen. Yeah. It, it, so that kind of transparency is there, and it's vast. So most people, they just want to know their portfolio is doing no harm. What sort of effect does that have on the market overall, though? That sort of investment. Well, it's interesting with supply and demand. These companies are not going to cease to exist because you know, defence suppliers will always be there. Yeah, still need jet fighters. Yeah, correct. And we and there will always be planes and there'll always be um, vehicles in some form. Um, and there will yeah. So if you think about it and say what happens when people don't want to own it, so that means that people start to sell it mm. and they divest it. And on the other side, there will always be people that are prepared to place their dollar into companies where they're richly rewarded with good returns. Mm. So, if so, what, what it means the the forward-looking expected return from those companies increases, and actually, sadly and conversely, the companies that are favoured with um, a sustainable um, label, so to speak. So, let's say if you've got a um, solar wind farm company, and I'm not going to that's just a hypothetical yeah, sure. but one that seems to be of flavor of the month at the current time a lot of those the the price appreciation uh, has been has been quite solid for some of them mm. but that would mean that if you if you buy and pay a premium today your forward expected return has actually got a little bit less because if on average if you look at all of if, if you look at the market if the market's producing a long run return of about say hypothetical 10% mm. If you and I bid up a particular sector because we want an overexposure to a particular area of preference, and if we're paying up to achieve that, most likely our long-run return is going to be less than the market. Mm. And we know that, for example, uh, a case that I was looking at recently across a, a sector was tobacco. Now, uh, tobacco, a lot of people don't want to own tobacco um, plantations, manufacturers, retailers. I get it. And a lot of people excluded those from their portfolios. However, over the last decade, had you underweighted tobacco stocks or just removed them, mm. tobacco was actually a really, really good place to be over the last decade. Mm. It actually did really well, yeah. um, which is sad on the basis of the human footprint, but in terms of uh, investment capital, uh, that was the decision that people made, and it actually cost their portfolio as a result. Yeah. What percentage of people uh, that are you coming across on a day-to-day basis that are actually being ethical about their investment? I mean, how many people actually really come in and say, well, you know, hey, I don't want my money to go yes. to New Zealand because they've been dealing with Libya? Yeah, true. Um, yeah. Um, it would be, I think at the moment it's about one in ten, mm. the more enlightened, more informed individual. Um, to be honest, I think a lot of people have so much going on in their own lives that they want their they want their portfolio to work as efficiently as possible, and they, what is happening in say Yemen, uh, with the Saudis, a lot of them that that they're actually focused on, um, they're focused on things that are happening here mm-hmm. and in their immediate family and in their business and in their job, so I think that, you know, some people that it's just, it's not a priority for them. No. Um, whereas for others, it's it. It's right, at, you know. It's it's at the front. It's front of mind. Yeah, I suppose it's not all about money. But what is the price that the average investor would pay by being sustainable in their investment? Is that, would hey, they lose five percent, ten percent, or no? Hey, a, a very a, an exceptional question there, because 
historically, it's actually been expensive to get these type of overlays. So, for example, if you t- if you look at an index, you know, you and I can go out and replicate a simple a, a simple index very cheaply and efficiently. Mm. We can you can buy it off the shelf from a research company, no problem. But when you ask for a sta- sustain- sustainability overlay on an index, it would be expensive. Yeah. Whereas interesting, one of the um, key firms we partner with, um, Dimensional Fund Advisors, out of um, Austin, Texas, um, in fact, they're one of the world's largest fund managers, they actually last week announced that from the 1st of March, there is no differential between their sustainable portfolios and their normal oh, wow. portfolios. There is no difference. So mm. in other words, if you want to express a preference for sustainability on your mm. portfolio, you can do so at no additional cost. Yeah, that's pretty phenomenal. But I have not seen that before. I mean, Ken, that's unusual. Yeah, historically, when you want anything that's unique, the consumer pays. Yes, of course. I wonder, uh, as an investment advisor, how far do you need to drill down on my behalf when I say, "Look, I don't want my money going to anything um, that might even be considered warlike." So, even with Air New Zealand, for instance, yes. I mean, how do we know that some subsidiary of some subsidiary of some oh, subsidiary difficult? Yeah, how, do you, it, how um, can you guarantee it? Well, that's where you, um, for someone sitting here in New Zealand at the bottom of the world, despite the fact that our that our market opens, we're the first developed mm. world market to open uh, each day of each trading week the um for you and i to know what's going on in terms of a subsidiary of a company like general electric that yeah, has exactly. huge amount of divisions or the honeywell corporation that mm. what you know like i know that um I, I i can remember i owned a honeywell um heater um when i was at university well honeywell also um manufactures some components for nuclear warheads mm. Well, it certainly did a number of years yeah. ago because I remember it came up on a, on on the sustainability filters. So it's very very difficult, and these companies are huge. You know that they are conglomerates. They're very 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 large. So it is difficult, and um, that's why we employ and engage with people internationally that this is what they do. Yeah, and they're very very good at it. Um, historically, it's been very expensive to get that, but as I just gave you the example before, with the economies of scale. It's coming down so that now people can get those overlays and that granular understanding at no additional cost. And that's just because of the wall of capital that has moved into sustainability is so great. As an advisor, do you still run a disclaimer saying, hey, look, we've done the best that we can possibly do to research uh, this Ken Morrison company? (laughs) And as far as we're aware, yeah, he's pretty sustainable. But, I mean, look, there will always be things that come up where um, even, for example, the case with Air New Zealand, where the transaction that came up with Air New Zealand, where they were helping the Saudi Saudi Royal Navy Mm. with um, some engine refit, and that even the former CEO, Chris Luxton, didn't even know mm, that exactly. they were involved. And the reason being that the transaction was of such a small amount that it never moved to the executive no. level for sign-off. It's a, it's a, hey, it's a, it's a little bit like, um, you know, I know that at our company that, um, you know, you have certain levels where things have to get signed mm. off. And certainly for Air New Zealand, a, a $3 million contract for engine refits wasn't significant enough that it went to the CEO. Yeah. So therefore, you and I will find that there are companies that, unbeknown even to the um, senior management team or the executive, that 
a small portion of what they've been doing. That small little contract may have actually been exposed to something that they probably don't want to be involved in. No, and it can really burn you. Correct. Well, the Air New Zealand one, of course, that contract was um, completed and finished, and they won't be going back for another meal on that one. No. <laughs> I mean, correct. it's just, it's, you know, look, um, yeah, with no. the New Zealand government owning over half of uh, Air New Zealand, that's just not a um, not a position yeah. that Air New Zealand can find themselves in yeah. going forward. You mentioned that one in ten people are, are investing on a sustainable basis. Uh, do you expect a change uh, in the coming days, weeks, months, years? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it will get larger. Um, but it won't be for everyone because there are and the other aspect is that what what you believe is sustainability and what I believe mm. is sustainability are very very different and um, there are some that want to go much deeper than others so I don't believe it's just a broad brush and that's what the FMA the Financial mm. Markets Authority came out with recently where they said they'll be policing um, effectively, what in the term industry term is called greenwashing, yeah. and that's where you know I say to you, Ken, yeah, no, I've got this amazing sustainability fund, yeah. and it it solves all the world's ills. And you look at it, and you go, that's that same fund you had last year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's a little bit of that, yeah. Um, but yeah. So I think there's going to be a lot more accountability on that. But it'll be difficult for people to say my fund does everything because there are some people that don't want. Um, any 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 factory farming mm. there are others that don't want any exposure to big pharma mm. there are there are those um libertarians that don't want any exposure to big tech there are those that don't want any exposure to airlines uh, wow how do you deal That's, with that so a customer comes in they say look i want to do some investing i want to invest my kiwi saver in this this and this then do you have a big pamphlet they say okay well here's a 200 page <laughs> pamphlet about what, what your money's going into well it's I think I think you just have to find the um, best fit, and it's and it's about a. It kind of comes back to financial planning in terms of that goals and objectives based discussion, and actually understanding your client, yeah, and actually having the discussion uh, with the client or the clients around what do they really desire, and how deep do they want to go with their beliefs and their portfolio, and possibly how much return are they prepared to give up by having a less diversified mm. portfolio like a you know in other words if the market in New Zealand's 50 stocks and if you put on a really heavy sustainability overlay and you shrank it hypothetically you halved it to 25 mm. stocks you've just increased your risk yeah because absolutely. you've now got your capital spread across 25 companies not 50 companies and it's all about diversification isn't it correct it's the only free lunch and uh, what about bricks and mortar? I was just tricking. We haven't, we haven't <laughs> got to bring that up. <laughs> All right, Nick, we need any advice on uh, financial matters. How do we do that? Um, well, we're, we're based in Hastings in Wellington. So we're in Kadamu Road in Hastings, the black basalt stone building with the tartan logo and on the terrace in Wellington. And anyone can come in at any time, just make an appointment. The first discussion, there's no charge. We just like to have a, a roll-up-the-sleeve session. <laughs> The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. 
you should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.